House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren, and co-host, cohort, whatever you call it. <laughs> Ready, show, shotgun. <laughs> yeah, back, uh, back, back, David. Rose, bad back Martino. <laughs> bad back Martino, yeah. <laughs> if you're practicing your karate again, you know. That's just, yeah, just threw my back out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I See, Terrible. I, I think as I know the truth. I know. It was because your, your wife, you didn't take her to the run DMC concert. So she, that's right. And she put me in a joint lock. And yeah, and she threw, threw me, me on the ground. the stairs a couple of times. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you. There's no video of it, so it didn't happen. Yeah, you're take the back seat <laughs> you deserve it anyway i do like i said it could be worse you could be on a no never mind i'm not gonna go this thing that was like, i know i'm gonna get in trouble for that so uh, i think i think i better stay away from that section because you know we get in trouble all the time mm. well anyway we we've got another uh great show coming up now we're going to be talking um to an author again jeez we're doing a lot of authors lately should take up writing. Um, well, uh, this guy, he's got a new book out called uh, Shoot the Moonlight Out. And uh, this is the, I don't know, it looks like he's done a lot of books, at least five, six here. Uh, William Boyle, thank you for being on the show. Oh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we'll see if you say that at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> you might see if you don't. You know, we have we've we, we've only kicked one person out this week. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was beyond. When you start talking about the Bilderbergs and all that conspiracy <laughs> stuff and, and lizard people, it was like, come mm. on, I'm done. You know, we're done. <laughs> you haven't seen any lizard people lately out here over in New York. No, no. I'm actually well. I'm actually in uh, Mississippi, so um, oh, I'm from New York. Yeah. But I live in Mississippi, so maybe I did. Maybe yeah. I did. They were just kind of <laughs> undercover, <laughs> undercover lizard people. Yeah, because you know, you just never know. Do you, do, you, do you like to write about lizards or no? I don't think I've ever written about a lizard, and I don't anticipate uh, writing about. Well, <laughs> it could be a great add-on <laughs> to your next book. Think about it. Yeah, maybe I'll th- I will. I'll put some thought into it. Yeah, come, they come out and they're, they're really a lizard in there. I, it, it looks like you now. So you are. How do you consider yourself? What kind of writer? Like crime fiction sort of writer? Uh yeah, yeah. I generally call myself a crime writer. How how did that come about? Like what what got you into the crime fiction? Um, um you know, I just I loved crime fiction from a pretty young age. Um, I was, uh, you know getting assigned stuff in school that I didn't didn't like and when I was around uh, 10 or 11 I started reading writers like Ed McBain and I just kind of tapped into that world and um, you know just kept discovering stuff at the library and read Elmer Leonard and Jim Thompson and um, James Elroy and a bunch of writers like that when I was pretty young and so I had a, I had a taste for it uh, as a kid and, uh, and then kind of my, my tastes go all over the place. But I think when I finally started to figure out who I was as a writer, I mean, I've always wanted to, I've always written and always wanted to be a writer, but I kind of, um, you know, didn't know if I, what I wanted to do, if I wanted to 
write poetry or write screenplays or write plays or, or whatever. Um, but by the time I was about 18, I guess I'd figured out that I wanted to write fiction and, um, I, you know, I, my taste was all over the place, like I said, but I, you know, probably by my mid twenties or early twenties, I kind of figured out that I wanted to write character driven, place driven crime fiction. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, but, um, was there a particular incident that ignited your thing to write? Because, and I say that because, um, I mean, we both write here, right? And of course I, uh, I published books, but I, I don't consider myself a good writer. I uh, <laughs> so what got you brave enough to actually decide that you you should publish these books? Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there was one particular incident. It was just kind of um, one of those things that, that always I always wanted as a kid. I just started, you know, pretty much as far back as I can remember. Certainly age seven or so I was writing stories and um, by high school I was writing a lot and pretty, pretty weirdly, pretty disciplined. Um, I mean, I was writing garbage, but I was working hard at it. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I think I just, uh, it, it, it took so me a while. I didn't have a, I didn't have a model for it really. I mean, I knew, I, I knew there were writers I loved and I loved going to bookstores and libraries, but I didn't know any writers really. And um, so it was really not until my early 30s that I started uh, publishing. But I guess what I'm saying is you mustn't really have a fear then. Like you you write and you put it out and you have enough confidence that you're not really, you're not really worried about people that dislike it or, or say, say bad things. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I think I've always had kind of a thick skin when it comes to that stuff. I kind of have a... Uh, a mentality of just like you, you just have to be able to you have to be able to take those punches otherwise you you're just not going to make you can't be that that sensitive about it um not a, nobody's you know most people probably aren't going to read it number one um and then the people that do are going to be split on <laughs> whether they like it or not so um you know different people have different different tastes and i just you know i try to approach it I, i'm a i'm a huge fan of so much stuff you know books and, and movies and music. I just kind of try to think about it um, as a fan. You know, I'm not, I'm not that way. I kind of talk about, there's stuff I don't like, but I don't generally talk about that stuff. I kind of focus on the stuff I love. Yeah. Well, you're from Brooklyn. You're tough. Um, <laughs> but well, not only that, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand today's culture in the sense of, uh, you know, you turn on a radio show, you think, oh, this is garbage, or I don't like it. You flip the channel, right? Or just like you, you get a book and you read it and go, oh, it's not my style. But people love to um, comment, get online, you know, get, yeah. get a big thing going, because, which I'm not sure why, because why not just do something else, you know? But, you know, that's the yeah. world. I don't I, get it. There's no, there's no value in it for me. It kind of makes me, it makes me feel bad about things you know and what doesn't make me feel bad about things is talking about stuff i love you know that makes me feel productive and and you know feels more meaningful now i noticed this is uh they they classified your new book the uh, as vigilante justice thrillers okay <laughs> so we, we're we're are, are we talking about like the old uh you know what's that uh death wish type <laughs> <laughs> Remember with Charles um, Bronson? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
actually based on a really that's based on a really good novel by a writer named John Garfield. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't quite. They use a lot of uh, classification terms for for books. I don't really um, think of it as a as a vigilante book, though there is a little bit of of um, that thread in in the book. Uh, there's a character who is is kind of doling out neighborhood justice. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's you know, maybe a little bit of a misleading tag. It's certainly not the, not the whole of the book. It's uh, one, one little thread in the book. Well, that's interesting. So now when you, when you go to write this book, for instance, like you're talking about um, the characters so, and you, and you like character-driven sort of stories. So, where do you get your characters from? Like, how do they come to you? Um, a variety of places, I guess. You know, I like uh, I like ensemble casts. I like big sprawling casts. Um, and this this novel is um, set in the. Uh, it starts in 1996, and then the bulk of it is set in June of 2001 in southern Brooklyn. Um, so I definitely kind of go back to my memories of growing up there and people I, I knew. Uh, I use a little bit of that. I certainly draw from my own experiences. Um, but I also like just making stuff up, and I like kind of the mythology um, aspect of of writing about um, about Brooklyn and and uh, so you know there's there's a there's a lot of different places they come from um, you know I'm influenced certainly by by books I'm reading and movies I'm watching and so I think all that stuff kind of gets filtered in there in some way yeah yeah and and so the title itself shoot the moonlight out where, where does that come from How, what does that mean uh, it comes from a, there's a musician I really love named Garland Jeffries. Um, and he was, he was kind of a big discovery for me. Um, uh, yeah, I got into him through Lou Reed. Who I, I really love Lou Reed. And uh, I read an interview with Lou Reed somewhere along the line. And he was talking about Garland Jeffries, who was putting out albums in the, I mean, he's still putting out records actually that are really good. Um, but he, he kind of came on the scene in the seventies, uh, New York guy. Um, and so this album, this is, this is a song title of his, Shoot the Moonlight Out. It's a song I really love. And, um, I just kind of, you know, I, I very often for titles, I think I'm either thinking about, uh, place names or song titles. And so this was a song title that just kind of just, inspired me and prompted something in me and I kind of sat down with the title and started working from there. I mean, it's got no real connection to this. The book has no connection to the song beyond kind of the, the tone and atmosphere it helped me create, but um, it was just a title I loved and I started going from there. Now, you mostly write about uh, Brooklyn and Brooklyn of the past and um, you know, I know you grew up in Brooklyn, but is, is there something specific about Brooklyn that calls to you to, to, to write these books? Um, you know, it's just, uh, especially the last couple of books, I've gone back to the 90s and the early 2000s and kind of the time that I lived there most intimately. So I think, you know, I'm a big advocate of writing about what haunts you and, and, um, and that's the place that haunts me the most. It's where I, it's where I grew up. It's where I, um, you know, my family is still there. I'm not, I'm not currently there, but, um, 
I, uh, you know, I just go there when I sit down to write. It's the place that I automatically return to. And I feel like I've kind of been over a few books, been building a, uh, a version of my Brooklyn, you know, kind of blend of, of the Brooklyn I've known and some mythological uh, imaginary Brooklyn. Um, and it's just kind of the, the, I don't know, I've been populating it with, with people. I'm kind of, you know, there are characters I will drop into one book for a page and then, you know, think about and wonder about and want to return to uh, in another book. So I think it's just kind of this, the, the place that I go, the place I want to spend time when I'm, when I'm writing. So in a way you're kind of writing New York as a, um, as a character itself. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, um, at least my my version of of it. Yeah, um, the way I've known it, the way I've seen it, the way I imagine it. Um, it's a big character. I mean, I've always, like I said, I've always loved and responded to um, stuff that is really rooted in in place. Um, so, you know, when I I live in Mississippi now, I live in Oxford, Mississippi, and um, one of the things that drew me down here originally was the writer. Larry Brown, um, who I love, um, and he, you know, the way he wrote about Mississippi was the way ultimately I wanted to write about New York. And so that was a big, that was a big influence in terms of thinking about place early on. Well, yeah. Um, so your main character, if you were to describe, like, I guess you do an ensemble, but I think, uh, what is it? It's, uh, I can't even say his last name, Bobby uh, Santo Vasco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good, I mean, good name. Uh, um, yeah. How would you describe that character? Um, well, yeah, he's kind of, I mean, he's, he's to me not not really the main character of the book, but definitely one of the one of the three or four main characters. Um, and he's he's a young character. Um, the book opens with him. He's He's a kid um, in the first section, and then just a little bit older uh, in the in the rest of the book. And he he's a character who does in the opening chapter in the prologue, I should say, uh, does something stupid that that um, spins out of control and has um, fatal consequences. And um, so he's a character that's shaped by that bad decision and becomes kind of self-destructive. But then it also opens up into something else for him as he tries to get away from, from that. Um, so he's, yeah, he's one of the, one of the main characters. And I think I always kind of tend to alternate between uh, younger characters who are uh, wanting to get out of the neighborhood and older characters who are stuck in the neighborhood. Um, and they're both kind of, or, you know, settled in the neighborhood i should say i guess um the younger characters often feel trapped and, and want to escape and the older characters have kind of settled into their way of of living or you know given up or, or whatever well, when you write these characters like bobby and uh some of these other younger older characters um can, can you hear the voices in your head i mean i know i hear voices when i write but uh, i just wonder if, if you can um if you hear them, if, if you're more translating what you're seeing in your mind, uh, images, uh, and turning that into prose. Oh yeah. That's, that's a, that's an interesting thing to think about. I don't know. Yeah. I, I definitely, um, definitely hear something, you know, I'm so, I, I love dialogue and I've always loved writing dialogue and, 
Um, you know, as a kid, I used to just sit around and, and tape um, my grandparents talking and then transcribe their conversations. And so I do, I think when I'm writing dialogue, I do hear kind of the, you know, hear their voices to, to a certain extent. I, I definitely, you know, hear kind of rhythms of, of speaking, you know, the way, way people speak. Um, I don't know that it's, you know, crystal clear, like I'm hearing a certain person saying something a certain way, but there's definitely kind of an interior um, thing going on for me when I'm, when I'm writing dialogue. Um, and the same goes for just kind of seeing, seeing it. I mean, you know, definitely, you know, I love, I love films and I'm definitely inspired by a lot of films. So there's, there's part of me that is seeing the action unfold as if it were a movie or, or, you know, seeing certain actors in certain roles, things like that. Yeah, well, that's all right. And, and don't worry. D Dave's a little bit insane, so, you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> voices, and I tell him to do things, and it kind of gets a little crazy, right? So you just, you know, kind of keep your distance from him, you know. Um, are you are, – so do you actually um, take real people in your life and make them characters? Or if you're, like, at a – let's say you, you've gone to the store, you're going through the drive-thru to get some sort of uh, – mcdonald's or something and someone cuts you off or someone does something rude um <laughs> do, do you take that person and put them in your book and maybe have them tortured or i'm asking for a friend i just <laughs> yeah you know i've definitely i definitely use um I, I've, I've used to a certain extent i've used parts of people i'd say i'm definitely you know i've writing is so much about observation and about what you see and kind of collecting things along the way. So there, you know, I think subconsciously even there are things that are always showing up in, in what you're working on or what I'm working on, you know, um, there's not, um, not usually some very specific things where I've totally based someone on someone that I, I know or have seen, but definitely pieces of people are kind of always, showing up i mean certainly pieces of myself are always showing up in characters and uh pieces of my mom and my grandparents are kind of always showing up in characters but um not probably some in a case like that probably that's not something i would use but if it was somebody i'd i'd kind of known uh known well they would they would probably in, in some way even even in disguise um kind of show up in the text Okay, give us some names here. Let's, <laughs> let's get to the real stuff here. Who are you, who are you torturing in your books? Man? People want to yeah. know. Yeah. Would you well, there, is, well, there is one. Yeah, oh, no, just, okay, perfect. No, there we no, go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. um, do you actually write a theme in, in your book itself, or, is, or does it just come out, do you think? Like some sort of, um, at the end of the story, um, under underlying is there some sort of message you always try to get across in a book um i don't think i'm ever setting out for for that no i mean i think there are kind of themes that uh i'm obsessed with that are kind of always showing up and and appearing in whatever i'm writing and then there are um themes that kind of occasionally work themselves into a book um and so those those things and in this book, you know, I mean, I think like it's definitely there's a lot about forgiveness and and 
and grief. Um, uh, you know, so that that stuff, it's not something that I'm consciously thinking about at the outset, but certainly kind of, you know, comes to the surface as I'm, I'm working. How long does it take you to write a book? And, and for instance, this book, what, what was the process for you? How long? Um, you know, it depends from book to book. Uh, this, this was, this was written during the kind of early to mid middle stage of the pandemic. Um, so actually it's, it was a pretty, pretty quick book, but I was, you know, I was home. I was working pretty nonstop. I didn't have travel or other stuff that usually gets in the way and breaks up my writing time. Um, so, yeah, this was probably the, the first draft of it was probably a few months and then, and then, you know, the revision process took a few months. So I think all told it was probably, you know, eight or nine months. I was just wondering, has a character ever done anything to surprise you? Have they refused to do something or just kind of gone off the rails and decided they were going to do something that uh, didn't kind of match up with the plot? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. That's one of my favorite things about writing is that even <laughs> – yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge – or I, I wasn't in the beginning anyway a huge planner. Um, in the last couple of books, I've tended to – figure things out a little bit more beforehand just so I could try to cut trouble off at the pass. But, um, but still I always want to leave room for wandering and for exploration for detours and just, you know, um, so I like that. And I, I like when, you know, I expect a character character to turn right and they turn left and they do something that I wasn't expecting. So yeah, that that's happened. And in this book, actually there was, this wasn't specifically, one character, but there was a, um, it wasn't one character doing something. It was more that a character showed up who I had no intention of being in the book and just kind of took over at a certain point. So that was a really fun mm. thing to have happen, um, for me. Mm. Do you, are you able to, are you one of those writers that you're able to sit down and kind of go, okay, I, I'm clear between, you know, one and four today, so I'm going to sit down and write, and then seven o'clock tomorrow night, I, I'm clear so I can write. Can you just sit down and turn it on, or do you have to be in a mood? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I require definitely um, early in the morning. I mean, if I can, when I'm when I'm working on something, I get up at five, and I write from five to eight or five to nine. Um, and that's, that's really usually the most important time to me, the time when I get the best writing done. And when I'm working on a book, I, I really, really prefer if I can to, to be doing it, um, every day. I mean, it's going to be obviously, you know, different for different people, but I try to, you know, I try to work on books and stretches of time where I know I'm not traveling or not doing uh, anything like that. So I don't lose the, the flow of it. Um, but. Yeah, so it's it's really important for me to work early in early the early mornings usually, um, and then you know I tend to revise and and kind of rework stuff in the afternoons. But um, mornings are really really important for me. Mm. How did COVID go for you in, in the in the way of writing? Did it did it affect the way you wrote, or did it change how you wrote, or any any sort of process in there? Um, you know, it was actually. I mean. It's, it, 
mean this. Uh, I don't mean to make it sound positive because it was such a terrible time in so many ways. But it was uh, it was suited my lifestyle well. Well, you know, I I wrote early every morning, and I wrote for uh, yeah, I wrote a lot, um, and I think I kind of uh, I kind of allowed myself to get lost in that, and that that kind of kept me kept me sane during the hardest stretch of it, um, and. You know, uh, it also allowed me to, and my, my ideal day is, is writing and then reading and watching movies and listening to music and, of course, hanging out with my family. So that's pretty much what I was doing all the time, every day. And it really creatively was uh, a good period for me because I was, I was reading a lot. I was watching a lot of films. And when I'm doing that, um, it's kind of feeding, feeding the, the creativity, I think. And, um, so it worked out. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty good time for me in terms of getting work done. Hmm. So, but, but do you think do you think it was going to be a little bit darker the way you wrote? Did you kill more people in this book, or feel more <laughs> negative? Oh, it's just that you know, because when you're in a, I don't know about you, but when you're sitting in a stress stressful environment, yeah, the things around you are, are really upsetting or going on and. Um, even if it's not COVID, but when there's some other things going on, does that and and you're kind of under the the gun, so to speak, to write? Um, do you sort of do you, do you think it's a darker way of writing? Do you think you come out a little bit meaner? Or? I think you know, actually, maybe it worked the opposite for me a little bit because my books are generally pretty dark, um, and and so I think on this book, maybe I maybe I got a little bit more open there than I usually do. And maybe that had something to do with my mindset at the time. I was kind of looking for, looking for that hope where I could get it. Um, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It's, it's dark and it's got some, it's pretty violent and there's, there's plenty of meanness in there, but there's also a little bit of hope shining through, I think. So. Wow. So you and I, uh, <laughs> if someone was, if someone's never heard of you. Uh, I know. It, it might be yeah, most most there. people probably. No, there might be one or two <laughs> out there. They've never heard of you before, and they go, oh, my God, who is this guy? And uh, they were to buy one book. Which book would you recommend to them of yours to buy that you would kind of guess it would kind of cover what kind of writer you are? Uh, I mean, I, I think I'm always kind of thinking about the most recent one. Um, so I would say this, this one, Shoot the Moonlight Out. And if not this one, if somebody didn't want to buy a book in hardcover, I would say uh, the last one, City of Margins, um, which kind of, you know, to me, these two books are kind of a culmination of a lot of stuff that I've been building towards. And I think I've, I've, um, I've gone back, you know, to the, to the 90s and the early 2000s, which is a time that I... I uh, like writing about a lot, so uh, they're they're pretty representative, I think. I was wondering, you you talked about some influences. Uh, do you have any influences that might surprise fans? Oh man, yeah, I, I would imagine I've got <laughs> a lot of a lot of influences that would surprise people. Because yeah, I mean, I think I'm I think I'm all over the place in terms of what I like, and in fact, you know, um, pretty often I, I think that. Uh, the stuff that people wouldn't expect or, you know, as, as in terms of being influenced by things, I think it's important to, you know, read outside your genre and watch things outside your genre. And so uh, I don't know, I don't even know where to start. I have so many, so many influences that, um, 
show up one, I can talk about the, the director. I was just thinking about her, the director, Lynn Shelton, who passed away last year. Um, you know, I think people would be probably surprised to know that, that, I mean, her work is a huge, had a huge impact on me and, um, in particular on these last couple of books. Um, you know, so there's stuff like that, but there's, there's stuff across the spectrum in terms of movies and music and books. I think, you know, old screwball, screwball comedies and <laughs> pre-code, pre-code cinema and, you know, all, all sorts of, um, music and, uh, tons of, tons of writers. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, probably a lot of, um, writers outside the crime fiction genre, literary, literary writers, um, sci-fi writers, you know, what, whatever. Uh, so yeah, ton, tons of stuff. Did you read Dave's books? Is that it? <laughs> Are you a big fan? Right. Come on. You know, <laughs> you're supposed to pick one of the hosts and say, yeah, I like it. Your writing has been a big influence on me. Yeah, you guys, you guys, have, you guys have been oh, a yeah. huge influence on me. Oh, <laughs> See? Oh, now, now we're talking. We're going to get you on prime time now. This is like, don't mess around here. Oh, yeah. the, 90s, the 90s was a pretty good time uh, for me. Did you, did you really like the 90s? Is that why you go back there? Well, you know, it was just such a formative time for me. You know, I was born in 78, so I was, I was 12, you know, turned 12 in 1990, and, and then I was, you know, 22 at the, at, you know, at the, or 21 or 22 at the end of the 90s. So it was this really, in terms of discovery, in terms of the, the, you know, writers I was reading, the, the films I was watching, the music I was listening to, it was all, everything comes back to that time, really. Um, but it was also, I think, you know, artistically, um, it was an interesting time, uh, in America. I mean, it was just a great independent film scene. There was great, uh, great music scene that, you know, even, even popular mainstream kind of stuff was, was good. Um, at least for a stretch there in the early nineties. And, um, so it was just, yeah, it was just this, truly formative time for me i you know, started it in junior high and i ended it in college and in that 10-year stretch i discovered just everything you know it was everything i everything i loved and also an aesthetic you know, i mean generation x kind of slacker aesthetic that <laughs> that um still shapes me i think well, do you think, you know, we've, we've had 80s nostalgia. Do you think that 90s nostalgia has hit now, or are, are we still kind of waiting for that? I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I can't think of tons of good stuff that has come out that has been set in the 90s, or, or I can't think of, I guess, a ton of stuff that uses the 90s kind of in that period piece mm -hmm. way that the 80s is used now. I mean, um, the 80s stuff has is, is gotten a little out of hand i think there's just so much um so much kind of bad bad 80s nostalgia um and you know people just throw like a windbreaker on a character and give them a boombox <laughs> or whatever and True. call it call it the 80s um so i don't know i mean you know i also i think the 90s um is not as probably dramatic in terms of fashion and kind of that weird eighties aesthetic. But, you know, there's, it's, it's definitely, it's just the end of an era in so many ways. It's like, you know, pre, 
pre nine eleven, pre internet. Mm. Oh well, you know, internet had it was out, but it wasn't you know a huge thing. Pre cell phone, certainly. So it's this kind of just um, just this end of uh, the end of things. Um, it was very you know independent spirit kind of stuff in terms of um, film and music and, and literature. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I imagine, I imagine there'll be probably uh, a good amount of '90s nostalgia, and maybe it's happening. And I just don't know it. But for me, it's just more of a personal thing that, in terms of going back to the the place when I lived there and when I knew it, because that's the way I see it in my mind, and that's the way I remember it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You must read Dave's books, Boombox and a Windbreaker. <laughs> You've got to be reading this stuff. Um, well, you know, I, the '90s was a was a pretty the last really happy time. I yeah, think. yeah, you know, because it seems like everyone's uptight, and there's so many things that are happening, and it's always this. You know, we're living in a, a tense world for some reason. Um, since 2000 seems like to me, it feels that way, and the, and the, the '90s seemed like a really good time. Plus, I got laid a lot the '90s. So <laughs> that was. Yeah, things, things were much better, but um, I, 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 you know, I, what do I know? You know, uh, so where where do you plan on going with this? Kind of what what what's kind of your plan? Are you going to keep writing the crime fiction thriller sort of era? Or are you going to kind of go somewhere different? Um, you know, I just kind of, I mean, I think I'm, yeah, I, I intend to, um, I intend to keep writing writing this world and developing this kind of um universe of characters and and um whatever that i've <laughs> come up with um i don't know you know I, I i have other ideas certainly but i think i'll probably stay pretty close close to this and even when i i think even when i stray from it it'll be of a piece with it tonally and atmospherically i mean i think i tend to write dark character-driven, place-driven stuff, whether, it, you know, it ultimately is rooted in crime or not. Um, but I have a very broad definition of what crime fiction is, so I'll probably always, through that lens, be writing some some kind of crime fiction. Yeah, you could have, like, the uh, crime of the lizards. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. dark, they wear dark glasses and they're... 90s lizards. Yeah. <laughs> 90s lizards, yeah. 90s lizards. <laughs> do, do you like the noir sort of thing, like the black sort of um, black and white sort of old uh, detective sort of stories? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I love that. That stuff. That stuff really, literally, kind of changed changed my life. Uh, I just kind of looked across it when I was when I was young and um, never really saw the world the same way again. Uh, so it was huge. It was a huge discovery for me as a kid. I, I tend to like, I'm not a huge um, detective. Like I like plenty of detective stuff. I like Hammett and Chandler. Yeah. I like a lot of that stuff, but for the most part, I like the more kind of bleaker, the bleaker noir. Um, Detour was a big, was a big film for me as a kid and still is. You know, huge influence on me yeah yeah there's some really good um on i i always watch the tcm one all the time oh yeah no alley yeah yeah yeah. listen to the stations as well like the old uh 
shows and stuff like that. They're, 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 I don't know. They're, they have much more, um, I don't want to say they're better written, but they're just uh, something more stimulating. About them. There's that word. <laughs> yeah, well, they are. I mean, they're all just uh, tonally, atmospherically, and they do, they're just, they look beautiful and they're crisp and they're, you know, even when they're grungy, they're, they, they look good and they're shadowy. And, you know, and, and very often there were, you know, there's certainly there were great directors involved and there were great writers involved on so many of them. I was just thinking about this writer, Daniel Fuchs, who I love, who was a Brooklyn novelist, wrote novels in the 30s and then went to Hollywood and wrote scripts. And um, he wrote uh, Criss Cross, which is one of the great noirs, and he wrote The Gangster, which is terrific. And um, So there were there were great novelists who were brought out there and were working on a lot of those things. You ever imagine what it would be like to go back and if you were alive in that time, if you would be able to be a writer then and what your life would be like? And, and do you think you would, you think you could make it in the, in the thirties and forties as a writer? You know, I do, I do think about that a lot. Obviously it was a bad time for, for a lot of people. If you were, if you were a writer, a writer of, color or you know person of color or, or you know pretty much anybody but not not uh, a white man i guess it was a not it was it was not a good time you know probably not a thing you would want to imagine but um but i mean i i do i am totally fascinated by by that era and so much fiction that i love comes out of that that era when people were just kind of figuring things out and you know the movies were just really getting going um so yeah I, I do think about that and i i am influenced by so many writers from that time that it's hard hard not to get caught up imagining or uh or at least you know be be fascinated um by the subject and read about it as much as i can well i find it fascinating that um during the war and during all that like the racism stuff and the anti-Jew sentiment and, and just everything else um, Yeah, that they were able with all of that going on in the world and all that pain and destruction and killing and all this stuff going on. And really you didn't know how it was going to end back then you were, yeah. it would be all up in the air. So it would be a really fearful time, but it's amazing how much good material came out of that. And, um, and, and I just wonder now with the COVID for instance, and all the negativity the last few years, I wonder if we'll get the same sort of um, boom in in uh, good. Yeah, I, I mean, the other thing that's always interesting about that period to me is that you know very often they were working within constraints, right? Um, just like there's a, especially in by the by thirty mid thirties, there was the Hayes Code and film, so they were they had to kind of they had to put a lot of the stuff under the surface and they had to try to figure out ways to tell stories within the constraints of the code and, uh, and still be effective. So, I mean, it, you know, I think it, it put tension on, on the storytelling and probably ultimately in a lot of ways made it even better. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'd like to go back as long as I um, had like, modern technology <laughs> yeah 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 you know i i don't want to live like that um wow uh, no uh, website contacts how do you how do you like people to find you 
Oh, I'm I'm all over the place. Um, my website is just williammichaelboyle.com, and uh, I'm on Twitter, wmboyle4, and other other places. But those are probably the main ones. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we'll have that on our website, so listeners can find you with one click and stuff like that. And uh, um, and 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 do you have like a, a Tinder or? Grinder, <laughs> you want people yeah. to have or no? Just stay away from that. Do you, yeah. do, you, do you like having? Um, do you like interacting with people? Do you actually do that sort of thing, or are you just kind of shy away from doing that? I mean, I always like interacting with people when we're talking about um, stuff we like. You know, so it's fun. You know, as long as that's, I mean, as long as that's what the conversation is, I'm, I love it. You know, and we're talking about books we like and movies we like and music we like that's that's great um that's one of my favorite things in the world to do uh anything you know other than that um sometimes i guess <laughs> yeah yeah you know i sit sit around and talk about britney spears and stuff that's, <laughs> that's one of, you know important things in life right you know hmm. um well it's certainly been a pleasure and um glad you could make it on and uh and uh, everyone, you've got to go buy this book. This is the book to have. Now, it comes out November 2nd, so on air date, this should be the 3rd. So it should be out now. So there's no excuses. Pick up the book. It's called That's right. Shoot the Moonlight Out, and it's a novel. Um, the author was our guest, William Boyle. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you guys. Thanks, William. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.